Hello digital world, it is that time again, it is another spliced in later coming at you in these days of self-quarantine isolation. I'd ask how you're all doing, but I would assume you're all doing eh, all inside, watching TV, which is good, watching movies, that's good. Maybe you're reading a book, maybe you're talking to family members, who knows, whatever you're doing to maintain excitement to keep off this insanity of boredom i salute you for it i'm here to bring you another episode hooray this one will be interesting i don't think it'll go too long or maybe it will go a bit long it's a unique topic that i don't talk about often and probably won't talk about again but i'm going to do it because it was given to me as an idea to do by my brother way back in christmas He even gave me some movies to watch to fit this criteria, which he believed fit the criteria. And of course, it's taken me four months to get around to doing that. So if you're listening, Rowan, I hope you're listening, and I hope you're excited for me to let you know what I thought of the particular movie you told me to look at, and this topic in general. Hopefully this sounds alright. I recently bought a house, and I have properly moved into that house over the Easter weekend. So we have a special room dedicated for these episodes, and I'm pretty sure it's very echoey in here at the moment because it's still in the process of putting up the stuff that people who are smart about technology would do to control sound and pitch. But whatever, I'm very excited to be in here recording regardless of how it sounds. So if it's a bit rough, we'll just cope for it for this episode, and as we go forward, maybe I'll move around a bit until circumstances align to a point where this sounds good. But enough dilly-dallying. What's today's topic? Well, it is a topic that I thought I'd never really talk about because it's impossible for me to come across movies like these, but I'm going to talk about the infamous bad movie. Now, if you've listened to the last 30-plus episodes that I've done, you will know that it is very hard for me to trash a movie. It is very hard for me to say that a movie is terrible. I always try to see the positives instead of the negatives. I can say that some movies I enjoyed more than others. I can look at faults in movies. But most of the movies I've discussed on here, I have not come to you and said, this is a bad movie. I would recommend you don't watch it. Or, I've wasted my life watching this film. How do I get the time back? It's just not something I like to do. We like to do the positivity on this channel. But, as with everything out in the world... We cannot have a 100% success rate. We do have to accept that there are sometimes movies that are bad, depending on your personal opinion. I know certain other people who think there are tons and tons of bad movies. I know other people who think other movies are great when the rest of the world thinks a movie is shit. So it's all to do with your personal opinion. So what we're going to do today is I've looked through the archives. It was very hard to try and find three movies with various reasons why I would consider them myself to be bad movies. What reasons they are, why I wouldn't watch them again, why I was disappointed. Overall, while I would recommend that people would not watch these movies. Very difficult. There was one movie which made the list immediately. We're going to save that movie till last. But we have three films. Now, if I go through these films and you like any of these films, fantastic. I'm not saying that people who like these films are bad. I'm saying as a person who has an opinion that these movies, in my opinion, are bad. But I'm not attacking anybody personally. 
If I say this movie sucked the soul out of me, that's just me. I'm not upset with people who like the film. It is very important in this day and age that we understand that there is a lot of criticism out there on social media. It's just not possible. Everywhere you look, there's nasty comments, personal attacks. But amongst all that is also objective opinion and constructive criticism. I know some people that are so invested in a certain type of genre for a movie that if you say that you think a particular movie from that genre is shit, sometimes it's hard for that person to take that criticism and not take it as a direct front against themselves. Even I've come to that issue sometimes. I love the Marvel movies so much. And sometimes it is hard for me to hear someone say that a Marvel movie is shit for a number of different reasons. And I've had to work on that as a person to hear someone say, oh, I think Batman Begins is a terrible movie compared to the other Batman films. If you like Batman Begins, it's insane. I don't like it. I have to be able to go, okay, that's their opinion. They're not saying you're terrible for liking Batman Begins. All right, so we've got that unpacking out of the way. I hope that. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to make anyone upset. I guarantee you after this episode, we will not be back to this topic again. But it will be fun. It might be fun to see what does it take for Jordan of Spliced In Later to not like a movie. And it turns out there are probably three distinctive categories, hence our three movies. The first movie we're going to talk about is Happy Feet. Now, Happy Feet is quite popular, I imagine. It was pretty popular when I remember it coming out in the cinemas. There was a lot of buzz about it. People thought it was pretty cool. I think it's specifically here in Australia because it is an Australian movie with Australian voice actors. However, I remember going to the cinema and I was a young child, so I should have been the target audience for Happy Feet. I should have been the person that's going, hurrah, huzzah, this is the greatest movie. Penguins are dancing. Good stuff. Let's just, let's just quickly recap for you what Happy Feet is if you haven't seen Happy Feet. Happy Feet is a story of a penguin... Oh, God. It's going to be hard for me to recap these movies because I've only seen them once. And because I didn't like them, I haven't watched them again. So if I get anything wrong, feel free to let me know. It's probably going to happen. We have a penguin voiced by Elijah Wood. I don't remember the penguin's name. He lives in a civilization of penguins. They can all sing. Great singers. Hugh Jackman is his dad, so of course, great singers. Elijah Wood penguin can't sing, but by golly... He can dance. And if I remember correctly, dancing was weird. The other penguins didn't understand why dancing was a thing. They didn't like it. They wanted him to sing. He went through some trials and turbulence. I think he met a girl penguin. He met five different Robin Williams characters because Robin Williams was doing all his different voices. And then I think he solved global warming. I'm not sure. It's a bit of a blur. As a kid, I was confused by it. I didn't really get what was going on. It was hard for me to follow the storyline. And overall, I just didn't find it particularly entertaining, I think, or funny. Now, that's fine. That's like I said about a few different movies that I've said in the past. I don't find particular things funny or entertaining. That doesn't make it a bad movie. Why I think Happy Feet resonates for me as a bad movie is because of the situation that I saw it in. I went with a group of people. And by a group of people, I mean I went with my family, my friend, and my friend's family. And the general consensus that I could feel in the movie theater while watching Happy Feet, radiating off my mother, off her friend, off my friend, 
was a variety of responses to the movie that were all negative. My mother clearly was not enjoying it. She thought it was the stupidest thing she'd ever seen. My friend was getting bored, didn't really care about it. So when you're seeing a movie like that and you're a young and impressionable age like yourself, myself, not yourself, you take in these feelings. So if I feel all around me that a movie is bad and I'm a young'un, then by the end of it, I'm also going to go, yeah, yeah, the movie was bad. I agree. I agree. And it's because of that initial viewing experience that Happy Feet has not gotten better for me. I've looked back into it. I've tried to rewatch it. But just that memory of the, the not good response from that first viewing, tied with my general also figure of just general boredom, gets me to a point where I can't finish it. I have skipped to the end, but that doesn't count as watching a movie. If you skip around in it, you're not taking in the movie. I think another reason why Happy Feet, I believe, isn't a particularly good movie is because it doesn't know what it wants to be. Does it want to be a kid's movie about a tap-dancing penguin? Does it want to be some artsy movie about a god penguin swimming into the distance to save the whole of Antarctica? Is Robin Williams being a funny character or is he being a tragic character? It's hard to say. What really gets me about the movie, of course, is the end. Again, it's hard for me to remember, but I know that he ended up in a zoo for a bit, then he did some tap dancing, and then there was this whole thing about global warming. Now, I believe global warming had been a background threat in Happy Feet for the whole movie, which is that the polar ice caps were melting. Um, as we know as a human race that global warming's causing it. If you don't believe in that opinion, I don't have got nothing to say to you on that one. But let's just all pretend we have heads on our shoulders and that global warming is a thing that's happening. The movie sort of implies that through this tap dancing penguin, the human race starts to realize that they need to stop global warming to save this pretty cool penguin who's doing a bit of a dance. Now, you can't stop global warming just because you saw a penguin dance and also that's terribly shallow <laughs> yeah we should stop the world from melting because we like this entertaining penguin very strange stuff it's a weird message that sort of implies that we can fix the world's problems if we just unite and band under this this idea of a tap dancing penguin I don't know. I believe the movie had good intentions by trying to address that point. Came off sloppily executed. This is the just bare qualifier for me as a bad movie. There are some good parts of Happy Feet. There are some bad parts. I wouldn't say it's the worst movie in the world, which is why there are other movies that are coming up. However, for me, I'm not going back to rewatch it. And as much as I want to buy every single movie and add it to my collection, Happy Feet's never going to make the cut. And I mean, let's not talk about, from what I hear, Happy Feet 2 is. I've never seen Happy Feet 2 because I don't like Happy Feet 1. But apparently that's just bananas. you got Brad Pitt and Matt Damon is talking krill. No one's ever explained the movie to me in a way that I can understand. So maybe Happy Feet 2 is worse than Happy Feet 1. I think it is. And if I'm not a fan of Happy Feet, then perhaps Happy Feet 2 is the true bad movie of the bunch. However... Moving on to our second movie, and this is the movie that my brother bought me at Christmas to give me a watch, is notoriously last year's film Holmes and Watson, starring Will Ferrell 
and John C. Riley. Basically, Holmes and Watson is the story of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, with Holmes being played by Will Ferrell and Dr. Watson being played by John C. Riley. However, it is Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, stepbrothers, Talladega Knight sort of humor. Will Ferrell is this pompous, over-the-top character who thinks very a lot of himself and really doesn't think much of his sidekick, John C. Riley, who worships the ground he walks on. Holmes and Watson have to solve a case, as in most Sherlock Holmes movies, something to do with Queen Victoria being a s- attempted assassination, I believe. Again, hard to say. Haven't rewatched it. A lot of slapstick humour. A lot of smacking people in the face, lots of screaming and yelling on Farrell and Riley's part. Lots of strange montages, wacky humour. Now, what qualifies this as a bad movie for me is because of the reputation of the comedic pairing of Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, Namely, that it is good because we have Step Brothers. Step Brothers is a great movie starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley as Step Brothers. That movie is funny on so many levels. The comedic timing between the two is great. The story is so outlandish and so stupid and so mind-bogglingly dumb, but it's hilarious. The jokes that they come up with are quick, zippy, very cleverly done, and Farrell and Riley just play off each other so well to the point where you believe their relationship is so genuine. Now, when you have something as good as Step Brothers up there, for all the world to see, and to have these duo come back again for something like Holmes and Watson, you expect it to be up to that level. And what's confusing about it is the essence of Holmes and Watson is Step Brothers, but it's it's sort of like if Step Brothers was lazily done. So someone had come forward and said, here's the script for Step Brothers, Will and John. Make the movie. And they went, okay, but the pub closes in five so let's make this as quickly as possible. And then we got to go. We got to go. So you feel that watching Holmes and Watson that this movie was made for the sake of it because someone said you got to make a movie, guys. You haven't made one together since Talladega Nights going on 19 years ago. People like Step Brothers, just do that again. But this time, you're Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Adding on to that, the strange distribution of the film as I watched the film and then I looked into it, different countries got different versions of the film. When I was watching the film, about halfway through the film, Sherlock Holmes was going through a crisis about not letting people into his heart. And there was this joke about a tear falling down his eye and he was trying to tell the tear to come back up into his eye, but it wasn't going to do it. Now, on closer inspection, I found out that in other countries, particularly America, The film opens with a young Sherlock Holmes relying on people who betray him and he decides at that point to never show emotion, to never cry again. Now that makes sense, but my version doesn't have that. My version opens with Dr. Watson jumping on Sherlock Holmes' prized watermelon. It has nothing to do with anything that happens in the middle of the film. The other essence of the film, I guess, is that the relationship between the two is very much Holmes doesn't appreciate Watson. But that is a very important chunk of story that they've taken out of the movie. I, I have no idea why. So when you look at a movie like that and you haven't enjoyed it, and then you look at the production and you look at what's going on around the world and the mess of it, 
it feels like a waste of time, unfortunately. Now, I don't hate Holmes and Watson with an absolute passion that I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to because I like Sherlock Holmes, the story. So it is fun to see other characters pop up. Hugh Laurie plays Mycroft Holmes. Ralph Fiennes is Professor Moriarty. But it isn't funny. I showed the movie to a friend of mine who likes that sort of lowbrow humor, Adam Sandler-type movies. I thought for sure he would enjoy it. And while he didn't hate it, he didn't laugh. There was a lot of jokes where it was just uncomfortable silences. If you don't enjoy a movie, if you don't laugh, for you, it's a bad movie. Holmes and Watson I hate more than Happy Feet, but it's not the film I hate the absolute most. This is Spliced In Later's number one film. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. And I'm pretty sure the world should too, but if you don't, that's fine. I still love you. It's called Mulan 2. I love Disney. I love Mulan. Mulan is one of my absolute, if not the favorite Disney animated film that I watched as a kid. I love the story of Mulan. I love that she, to protect her father, pretends to be a guy so she can join the army in his place. I love that she's protected by Mushu the Dragon, voiced by Eddie Murphy, who was a guardian who everyone also believes is not good enough to look after her. I like that she forms a bond with her soldiers' friends. I like the relationship she has with her captain. The villain is terrifyingly simple, Shun Yu. He's not over the top. He's not singing songs. He just wants to eradicate people, which is horrifying. And of course, we all love the song, I'll Make a Man Out of You. One of the best Disney songs of all time. Love it. Sing it in karaoke bars. Great stuff. Side note, once all the delaying for the pandemic does pass, there is a live-action Mulan coming. I'm apprehensive about it, but I'm looking forward to going to see it one day. It'll be interesting for me to tell you what I think of that. But keep in mind, I love Mulan, so it might have a high bar to clear. Now, Mulan 2. As I opened this show way back last year with The Fox and the Hound 2, the direct-to-Disney animated film should not be held on too high a standard because they're normally just made to make a buck. However, the essence of the Disney story should still be in these direct-to-video sequels. The Fox and the Hound 2, while not up to the emotional standard of The Fox and the Hound, still maintains the relationship between Todd and Copper. The Fox and the Hound, strong stuff. The Lion King 2, great sequel. Builds on everything that Simba learned in The Lion King. The Little Mermaid 2, The difference between land and sea is flipped. It's a fun spin on the tale, but Ariel is still the same as she was at the end of The Little Mermaid. Nothing rewrites the first movie in a negative way. No no one's characters are betrayed horrendously. Mulan 2. Not only does it look bad, the animation is subpar. Not only are the songs lazy and mind-numbingly dull compared to songs like I'll Make a Man Out of You. Not only is the story very much, hey, you know how we said that women should be independent and we don't need a romance story to hammer home our story about Mulan? Well, how about let's have four romance stories. Let's give everybody a princess. Let's make it very important that Mulan cannot be who she is unless she marries Captain Shang. 
On top of all that, we have Mushu the dragon, who spent the whole first movie trying to prove that he could protect Mulan and earn his place on the pedestal. Sure, he was vain, he was cocky, he was a bit self-centered, but in the end he had Mulan's best interests at heart. In the second movie, he finds out that once Mulan marries Captain Shang, her guardians will essentially retire because the man's guardians take over guarding the whole household. So he'll be demoted. He won't be on his pedestal anymore. They'll have no use of him. So he spends the whole movie trying to break up Mulan and Shang's relationship viciously with no regard for Mulan's life, with no regard for Shang's life at all. Not only is it disgusting, it's absolutely nothing like the Mushu that we knew. I hate that I own Mulan 2. I got it when Mulan was released on DVD, and I went, Mulan 2? Oh my god, more Mulan? If I could, I'd burn it. But that seems like a bit of an overreaction. Mulan 2 not only is a complete betrayal for everything that Mulan stands for, not only is it lazy and completely unnecessary, but it is incredibly disheartening and upsetting that a lot of the production team behind Mulan also did Mulan 2. And it's like they didn't know what made the first film great. So if we look at our three categories, essentially we've got an escalation, basically. Happy feet, bad movie because of the environment of the time watching the film for the first time. General perceptions being absorbed into one's body. And you go up a rung to Holmes and Watson, which is recognizing that a movie is bad because of the level of quality from other films, recognizing the laziness and the confusion production values and everything like that. Then we go up to top, which is Mulan 2, which is knowing that a film is wrong on so many levels. It's production, it's reason for existing, just for money, but at the same time, complete betrayal on what makes the previous movie good. What's the moral of this episode? I'm getting hung up because I'm so angry about Mulan 2 that I'm trailing off and I'm getting lost in my own thoughts. And from this point forward, further episodes will not be attacking movies in any sort of way. I'd like to think I only attacked one of the three movies today. However, I would like people to know out there that it is possible for me to not like a movie. Odds are, if I don't like a movie, I just probably won't talk about it on here. I will not use it as an avenue to attack a movie. But I would like you to know it is possible for that to happen. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes a movie can be so bad it's good. The infamous The Room, for one. But what's important is that if you like a movie and other people hate it, that's okay. If you think a movie's bad and other people like it, that's okay. We can all like what we like. But... If you take one thing away from this episode, it's simply Mulan 2 sucks. And if you don't believe me, go ahead and watch it. If you do like it, good for you. You won't, but good for you. All right, pull ourselves out of this negative tailspin that we're in. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back next week. It's been just long enough. We're going to look into James Bond again. As we begin our slow countdown towards, hopefully, the release of No Time to Die, we'll be looking into George Lazenby, his one Bond film. Is it good? Is it bad? You'll just have to tune in to find out. But until then, I love and appreciate you all, as always. You've been spliced in later. Adios, muchachos.
I'll catch you next time.